Well, good morning, church. Good morning. Great to be gathered here with you this morning. Um, we've been in a series uh, called Jesus for Everyone. And uh, over the course of this series, we've been looking through the book of Luke. Uh, so far, we've only been looking up through the book of Luke. Uh, and today, we'll be starting the book of Acts. And both of these books are authored by the same man. And uh, throughout the series, what we're doing is hoping to re reflect on the themes that Luke brings up through his two letters uh, to the church. And one of the unique styles of Luke's writing is how he so often pairs together the stories of women and men. And in doing so, again, by way of reminder for probably all of us in this room, it's this way to show that Jesus is for everyone. It's a way to remind us that he came for all people. And it's a way that, that Luke writes to show us that, that Jesus comes to meet us in our wide variety of life experiences. That all of humanity is represented in the, in the writings of Luke. It's a way to, to tell us that no matter who you are and no matter where you find yourself, Jesus is for you. He's for you. So you could be in, in the highest of highs, and you can meet Jesus there. And you could be in the lowest of lows, and Jesus can meet you there. He's for you. And no matter who you are, no matter the places in life where you, maybe you, you just feel like, what is going on? that Jesus is for you. So today we move into the book of Acts, and, and as, we, as we move to this space, it's this place of recognizing Luke doesn't pair together, doesn't have so many of the, uh, pairings as he does in, in the book of Luke, but nonetheless you will find these pairings um, throughout, throughout his letter here to the book, in the book of Acts. And, and it's one of these ways of also showing us that Jesus is, is for all people, and all people are invited to be recipients and participants in the mission of God. And so one of the major themes that you will find written, specifically in Acts, is that all people, all people can be participants in the kingdom mission of God. So let's move. Uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 1, and we're going to be reflecting on the day of Pentecost. says this, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone was, everyone, excuse me, everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages, as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were, be they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. 
Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there and amazed and perplexed. What What can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying they're just drunk. That's all. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. Is Peter saying that maybe noon, it would be a different story? Now what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want to start here because this is where where Luke starts here in this passage is, is... is this understanding, it starts from heaven. It starts from heaven. As as Luke writes to us, he says, suddenly there was a sound from heaven. And we start there because the constant imagery that we receive in Scripture is that God longs to marry heaven and earth. He longs to mingle and bring together heaven and earth. The understanding of Scripture is this, is that, that, well, let me back up and say that so often our understanding is that we think of these, these two spaces, earth and heaven, and we so often think that when we die, we move from this space to this space. But when you read through the pages of Scripture, what you find is that God is constantly longing to, to invade earth with heaven. He constantly desires to bring heaven here amongst us. And so the prayer that is, that is upon our lips that we are commanded to constantly be praying is let your kingdom come, let your will be done, like heaven on earth. That is the desire when we read through the last pages of Scripture that what we get is this beautiful expression of heaven and earth finally being brought together. That it's the, it's the announcement upon John the Baptist's lips as he prepares the way for Jesus. Heaven is coming. Heaven's on its way. So when Peter quotes the prophet Joel, he starts by saying, in the last days. What are the last days? They are the era of time before the final day. And what is the final day? The final day is when heaven and earth will be fully mingled together. What Luke is is writing to us is this understanding 
is that the last days are all going to be about heaven coming to earth. And God has called a people to be a sign, a foretaste, an instrument of heaven being here on earth. It's this understanding that if, if, if we are going to be different, if our message is going to have impact in this world around us, then it has to start with heaven. We have to be a people that are marked by this longing and this desire to be a people that look like heaven. This is where it begins. The calling on the church is to be a sign of, and a foretaste of what it will look like when heaven and earth are perfect, mingled together. So the movement of the church finds its origins and its roots in heaven, and the Holy Spirit empowers the church to be a gift from heaven to earth. That's what we are. We are a gift from heaven to earth. That is the calling and the mantle that is placed upon us. And if we're going to be a distinctive and powerful force in the world, that what we do must come from heaven. That we are like these fragile clay jars that contain this great treasure. Luke also loves to start his letters by starting with the Holy Spirit. Everything will flow out of the Holy Spirit falling upon people. The, the, the story that, that starts in the book of Luke is a story that starts with the Holy Spirit falling upon Mary. And then the story here in Acts is that the church sees the Holy Spirit falling upon her. And then we map this out onto our own lives. Everything, everything has to start with us being a people that are empowered by the Holy Spirit. We must be a people that are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Even at the launch of Jesus' ministry, Luke makes sure to highlight that Jesus says this, the Holy Spirit is upon me. And Jesus becomes the ultimate picture, becomes the ultimate picture to us of a life animated by the Holy Spirit. Yes, Jesus will set the captives free. Yes, the blind will be, made, be, be able to meet, uh, see but all of this happens because the Holy Spirit is upon Jesus. Luke loves to remind us that everything about us, anything that we do of worth and value, our ability to be a gift from, from heaven to earth is all about the fact that we need to be a people that are empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would completely consume and fill every space of our lives. And one of my absolute favorite descriptions of Jesus, just in general, when you look at how Jesus is descri described throughout all of the pages of Scripture, one of my absolute favorite descriptions of him is in Luke chapter 10. And in Luke chapter 10, what, the way that we see him described is this, is that we are told that he is filled with joy in the Holy Spirit. And what Luke is constantly portraying to us is the Holy Spirit seeks to permeate, invade, saturate every space of our lives. And everything that we do and everything that we are is just absolutely saturated with God's Spirit. The, the, the idea is, is that it's a way to show that the, that the Holy Spirit seeks to, 
seeks to animate and empower every part of us. What we are filled with impacts our whole being. So being with the Holy Spirit involves the whole person. There is not a space of our lives that the Holy Spirit doesn't seek to saturate and fill with the entirety of who he is. Luke also loves to show how a life filled with the Holy Spirit is a life that is focused on Jesus. The Holy Spirit falls upon the people of God so that they offer to the world is Jesus. Jesus' words to the disciples in Acts chapter 1 is this, the Spirit will come upon you and you will be my witnesses. See, the Holy Spirit falls upon Mary and what's her gift to the world? It's Jesus. The Holy Spirit falls upon the church and what does Peter immediately begin to preach about? Right after this prophecy in Joel, what does he preach about? He preaches about Jesus. This, these are the words from, from New Testament scholar Dale Bruner. He says, the Spirit is most present when Jesus is most central. And I love this from Rich Beotis. The central focus of the Holy Spirit is to lead the church in keeping Jesus as the central focus. The Holy Spirit falls upon the church, and their message is, Jesus is for everyone. A life filled with the Holy Spirit is a life that loves to express Jesus to the world around her. A life filled with the Holy Spirit is a, is a life that just says, I, what I long to show to the world around me is Jesus. And you think about it this way, that the fruits of the Spirit describe Jesus really well. Right? The life filled with the Holy Spirit is a life that expresses love, joy, pa peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's a way as, is, as if to say that a life that is filled with the Holy Spirit begins to, to embody Jesus to the world around her. The Holy Spirit comes upon us and we express Jesus. I also love the fact that when we look over this, this passage, it's crazy to think about that there was a moment where the entire church was in one room all together at the exact same time. Like, you think about it, that one room contained the church, the Christian church. Like, it was, it was the entire church was all together in one space at one time. And here's what you need to catch, why Luke highlights this. is because when the Holy Spirit falls upon the church, there wasn't one person that was missing in that moment. It was a way to show us that when the Holy Spirit comes, he was distributed to all the people, all at the exact same moment. It was a way to show us that everyone received God's Spirit 
in that same moment. It didn't start that the first the apostles received the Holy Spirit, then everyone else received the Holy Spirit, but it started that, that everyone at the exact same moment. Larissa has a huge family. She's one of 12 kids. And so you can imagine that when we get together for Christmas, that it takes a long time to, to distribute gifts. It takes quite a bit of time. There's actually a halftime break that usually happens on, on Christmas. And, and so we'll be opening up gifts, and then we'll get pretty far into the day, and it'll be a pause, and it's like, okay, let's go have cinnamon rolls, and let's, let's have a coffee break, and then we'll come back together. And Larissa's dad is usually the one that is, is given the responsibility of distributing out gifts to everybody. And he tries to do so in a fair and judicial kind of way. You've got to understand that Larissa's dad's love language is Excel spreadsheets. So he loves to make sure that as, as gifts are being distributed, that everyone, that everyone is thought about fairly and, and equally. But there's, also, there's always that one gift that's really special, right? Like it's usually the case that you usually wait to give that one gift. Usually it, maybe it's a bike. Um, for, for a few years in Larissa's family, it was like a, there was a baby announcement that was ready to be made, and like that was the last gift that was going to be announced, and it was going to be announced to Grandma, like, hey, there's a new baby that's going to be a part of the family. Just think about that when the Holy Spirit is given to the church, that the least and the most the women and the men, all of the believers, the whole church was there. And they all received the Holy Spirit in the exact same moment. It was a way to describe to us the Holy Spirit's for you. And you were just as empowered and as gifted, and as valued, and as seen by your Father in heaven as everyone else is in the room. But the Holy Spirit comes upon everyone at the exact same moment. And so you also notice that when, when the prophet Joel is, is quoted, that the passage that, that Peter immediately goes to, he, he talks about the fact that all people, sons and daughters, young and old, your male servants and your female servants. Here again, Luke is, is pairing everyone together, and he's showing us that the empowering of God's Spirit is for all people. That there's not a person that's a part of the body of, of, of Christ that doesn't receive the Holy Spirit and isn't empowered by, by the Holy Spirit. And now understand this, is that as he describes uh, uh, the function that's going to happen as the Holy Spirit falls upon all people, he describes women and men, sons and daughters, all operating in the gift of prophecy you realize that that is no small statement. But what he's communicating to us is that women are going to be prophetic just like men are going to be prophetic. Do you realize that that is a statement of, of women holding authority and significance in the body of Christ? It's a way to show that, that the entire church is going to be 
filled with this hope and expectancy that God will use their lives as well. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. And I've got to believe that this is a statement that fills the church with this beautiful hope and expectancy. This day that Joel prophesied, that prophesied, has prophesied about has taken place here in this moment. The whole room of believers will be filled with the Holy Spirit. But what you will also see as the book of Acts continues to roll out is that the Holy Spirit will continue to fall upon women and men. And so the church is meant to be filled with this holy expectancy that, that the generations behind us will be filled with the Holy Spirit. It will constantly be understood as that we look at one another and as we interact with one another, that we are called to encourage and believe that you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. How do we hear a word like this and not feel the holy responsibility to nurture our children towards a place of significance in the body of believers? A word like this causes us to see one another differently, that we lovingly, tenderly encourage each other towards seeing God's filling and empowering of our lives that it fills us with this hope and expectancy that we would begin to pray and intercede for one another, that you will be empowered by God's Spirit. One of the other things that I want you to notice about this passage is that three times Luke describes the crowd as amazed that the disciples are, are speaking our own language. It's a really big deal that, and Luke begins to really make sure to emphasize that the crowd is, is impressed, that they're stoked, that they're, they're thrilled, and they're filled with wonder and awe to say they're speaking our language. They're speaking our tongue. Because listen, there were two options. The disciples could speak their own language and everyone could miraculously understand. So the disciples could have just started speaking in Hebrew or they could have started speaking in, in, in Greek and everyone would have then had a miraculous touch by God's spirit where they could then interpret the language that was being spoken. Or the other option was the disciples began to speak the language of the world. And, and the miracle that happens on the day of Pentecost is that the church needs to speak the language of the world. Why is that so significant? It's so The crowd is impressed and receptive because the church is speaking her language. Listen to this from, from Willie Jennings. Speak a language, speak a people. God speaks people fluently, and God, with all of the urgency that is with the Holy Spirit, wants the disciples of his only begotten Son to speak people fluently too. That the gift that happens for the church is that, that she begins to know and understand, or to begin to, to express To the world around them 
a, a, a care, a love. It's a way of showing up and just saying, like, you don't, you don't, you don't have to meet us where we're at. We're going to meet you where you're at. We're going to speak your, your language. Maybe you could think about it in terms of love languages, right? It's, this, it's a space of understanding that, that, when, that we want the people that are near and dear in our lives to receive love from us. We must speak and express love in a way that they receive and understand. So Larissa's love languages are a mopped bathroom floor and a, and a, and a shoulder massage while we're watching a BBC show together. And if I'm going to want her to know my love for her, then I've got to learn to speak her language. The Holy Spirit falls upon the church, and the church ministers to the world in a language that it can understand. And the, the, I believe the challenge and the encouragement to us is this. You've got to get to know your neighbor's languages. You, you've got to get to know the language of the city that God has placed you within. You've got to get to know and express your love for the people around you in a way that, they, that they'll be able to hear and ex be excited and, 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 and to be thrilled about. Like the, the, the crowd shows up and the reason that they're filled with so much passion and, and, and curiosity and wonder is because three times they say, right, they're speaking our language. Like this is, this is being expressed to us. And by the way, can I, can I just take a moment really quick and plug one of our, one of our global partners, Wycliffe Bible Translators? Because with the constant effort and work that the Wycliffe Bible Translators are trying to do is, is, to, is to bring God's word to a culture in a way that they can receive and get their arms around. God meets people where they're at. And so should the church. That we, that the gift of the Holy Spirit is that we would arrive to the world around us in a posture that says we, we do want to get to know you. We do want to, to, to love you and to serve you and to bless you in a way that you can receive and in a way that you can understand and embrace. I think so often what ends up happening is that a lot of times the church can become really frustrated and antagonistic to the world around us. And can I say that that is an extremely weird evangelism strategy? <laughs> to be filled with such hostility for the world around us, to feel like that we're constantly at odds and have to take over the world around us. But, but the, at the immediate start, at the birth of the church, is a people that speak, that speak people well speak people well. I'm going to ask Pastor Brittany to make the, her way back up here to the stage. One of the ways that we get to do this is this Saturday as we, as we serve together with Hope for San Diego. 
it's a way for us to just arrive in different spaces around our city and county and just say, like, we want to speak people well. We want to serve people and just meet them right where they're at. So whether it's hosting uh, a shower trailer that's going to be with the San Diego Rescue Mission or it's going to be hosting a picnic for, for um, safe families up in, up in the University City area, it's, it's this understanding that says, man, we want to be a people that arrive in the world in a way that just says we are here to love and bless you. Church, the, thing, the two things that I see taking place here on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit comes upon the church, is this. The church speaks people well. And the church shares Jesus. Like, that's, that's what takes place. That, that suddenly what, what, what happens, the animating force of the church and what permeates the church in her entirety is this this incredible, radical love for people. And also a people that, that long to be a witness of Jesus. That what we long to express and present to the world around us is Christ-likeness. What we like to show up and, 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 and embody in the world around us, so the, the Holy Spirit comes upon us, and then what do we do? We share Jesus. That's, that's the message that's upon our lips. That's the way that we express and present ourselves. That's the way we show up to our neighbors and, and, our, and our family members and to one another is, is we speak people well and we share Jesus. We, we, we are witnesses of Jesus. We embody Jesus to the world around us. Let's conclude in song.